another episode of Fintech Insider Interviews. Today we have some fantastic guests. First up, Jason speaks to Rita Liu, the head of Alipay Europe, Middle East and Africa. Take it away, Jason. So I'm here with Rita Liu of Alipay, head of EMEA for Alipay. You must be like the most popular person at Money 2020. Surely like everyone is trying to get a meeting with you. Well, I think, you know, yeah, we, uh, we are getting, I mean, our company is getting lots of traction in Europe, you know, compared to last year, you know, when we were uh, at Money 2020, more people know us, you know, more people know what we're doing in Europe, you know, and they see some good, uh, how to say, uh, success cases. Um, so, yeah, so it, very glad that, you know, we're seeing, you know, more people want to work with us in Europe. Yeah. We were saying to a couple of colleagues that a couple of years ago, everyone used to go to Silicon Valley from the UK to find out what was happening in technology and fintech. And now everyone seems to be heading east uh, to find out what's happening in fintech. Yeah. Um, so what is happening in fintech, I guess? What, what's, what's the future of Europe? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's, uh, it's too big. You know, what's the future of Europe? I guess, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think China or the East uh, or Asia is leading the way of innovation, fintech, you know, because of, it, you know, lots of reasons. I, I think in China, I mean, we are lucky to be in China where, you know, it offers massive, you know, uh, markets, you know, a massive base of customers. And also it's, uh, I, I think Chinese people are very adapted to new things, you know, probably because, you know, in the past 20 years, there are lots of changes happening in the country. So the people are very adapted to, to new things, very welcoming new things. And so, so I think we're lucky to be in that market to, uh, to help us drive innovation. So we, we, um, uh, with that, you know, market scale, we can try a lot of things. But in terms of, you know, what's, what's happening in fintech or, um, I think many things, what Alipay is doing, we're doing lots of things in China, right? I think there are several aspects that, that are exciting. Obviously, what we're doing in Europe as well, you know, like converging the online to offline experience, you know, to drive uh, targeted marketing for the, for the merchants to create more uh, value for the merchants, you know, other than payment. That's one. And, and also cutting edge technologies, which, which, which make financial services more inclusive. Uh, like AI, uh, which we're adopting a lot, uh, you know, in customer service, in fighting fraud, uh, and also customer verification, like, you know, facial recognition, eye print recognition. Uh, those are exciting areas, I think, you know, uh, for us. Everyone seems to, at least in the, the, the banks that we work with, talk about Alipay, talk about WeChat, but not really have experienced it. What do you think is the most common misconceptions about you know, about Alipay? Do you talk to people who, um, who, who sort of don't get it or, or think you do something else that you not, than you actually do? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, one thing that uh, we always uh, clarify is Alipay is actually a scheme ourselves in China. So we don't, our transaction doesn't go through any third-party scheme. Uh-huh. So we work directly with the, the banks, with the issuers. So, yeah, that's something we always clarify, uh, which is quite different from other wallet players which you know go through you know other schemes the transactions and also the it's very hard to explain what alipay what, what and financial is really about because we do so many things so it's very hard to explain all the functions you know in the wallet you know uh why the app has so many functions and you know uh the super app yes. aspect of it yes it's hard, yeah 
And so what are a few of those functions that people might not realize are in your, your one app? Ah, okay. So I was actually just mentioning that in, in the panel. I was just saying uh, this uh, very interesting product we launched last year called Antforest. Uh, it's a, it's really an interesting uh, function where we uh, our customers can um, record and monitor their carbon saving activities with a wallet. Wow! So you have actually have a carbon account with Alipay account now. So like you know when you when you when you do a, a mobile transaction in retail environment when you buy a ticket online you basically saved paper use right so 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 that's actually saving carbon right so so you grow a virtual tree by how much carbon you save and then when you reach a certain level we alipay plant a real tree for you so it's a it's a really um, interesting how to say it has a game flavor yeah, in yeah. it, uh, but it's a, you know driving a new how to say a better future together right like you know like more trees and and to save carbon. So so it's a it was a very very successful. We have like uh, millions of trees planted uh, because of that. Yeah. So like things like this, it's like very niche, very uh, new, fresh. Um, but we're doing that in, in China, and, and it's uh, really successful. I guess in the UK and Europe, we're seeing much more unbundling than we're seeing rebundling. You know, we're seeing people uh, be much more niche with what their particular product is. Yet it seems that actually in the Eastern, you know, with Alipay being a great example, it's bundling lots of things into the same app. Do you think that that's a, a particular Chinese flavor or do you think the same the same kind of thing applies to the rest of the world uh, well I think uh, the the mind share of a brand that does you know affect how much you know you can bundle things into one app or into yeah. one platform because because you know Alipay has been there uh, in China for more than 10 years and it has been it has been a, a vital way for them to purchase stuff online so so yes people are very uh, customers are used to use Alipay or used to hear about Alipay to, to see Alipay everywhere so when a customer habit is formed it's hard to change uh, so 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 then then you know with this very sticky uh, nature of Alipay with our customers you can add more things to it I guess the challenge is really how to get the mind share of customers yeah so I guess another problem that a lot of uh, companies have, or banks especially have in the West, is the speed of innovation and being able to actually to, to experiment with all of those things simultaneously. How does Alipay uh, address that? How do you innovate and deliver things at scale quickly? Um, I think it's uh, entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. Uh, even as a, a big group or a big company, uh, I think you know, both Alibaba and Alipay are still very agile. We are very, how to say, the, the company, uh, the DNA is very, you know, we're not, we're not afraid of making mistakes. Okay. Uh, okay, if you try something new, well, if you don't try it, how do you know it doesn't work, right? Uh, so so we are, we're, we're very happy to try new things. If it fail, we'll, we will, you know, we will start something new, something, something else new. Uh, so it's, uh, I think it's entrepreneurship, uh, you know, being cautious, but in the same time, you know, not afraid to try and try new things, you know, take new challenges. Hmm. So obviously you're here, you're at Money 2020 in Copenhagen, talking to lots of companies. What's the, uh, what's the aim, the strategy? What are you aiming to get, uh, to get done in Europe this year or next? Yeah, so we are, the first step is following the Chinese, uh, Chinese footprint. 
in the world, and Europe is a very, very important destination for Chinese shoppers. Uh, so, so that's our focus uh, this year to enable the merchants to get more business from Chinese, to engage better with Chinese. So that's the first step for uh, we're taking this market. Why? Because uh, it's a very good way to educate the market that to, so the, the merchants on the merchant side, the merchants get to know that what Alipay is really about. Uh, we are really digging into how we can, you know, through our platform, we can really prove our promise, which is, you know, creating more value. Uh, other than payment to the merchants. So I should be expecting lots of high-end stores to start having Alipay logos in their windows, should I? Yeah, as we speak, there are more and more. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are more and more. And uh, yeah, our business development is uh, uh, dependent on partnerships. And we're getting more and more partners, including acquirers, you know, uh, technical enablers to work together with us to uh, bring Alipay to the merchants. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, Alipay is definitely one of my fintech crushes. So it's been it's been a pleasure to speak to you. So, Rita, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jason and Rita. Now, some words from our sponsors. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. Thank you very much to our sponsors. For our second interview, I got the chance to speak to Ed Budd, the Managing Director and Chief Digital Officer of Global Transaction Banking at Deutsche. Great. So welcome to Fintech Insiders. Ed Budd, Managing Director at Deutsche. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks, Simon. Great to be here. Here having fun at Money 2020? I am. Nice atmosphere here. Yeah. You were saying uh, just before we start recording, it's got a nice feel to it. What, what do you like about yeah, it? It's got, it's got a nice mix. There's practical things being talked about as well as good show and tell and a good show mm-hmm. but there's some different characters here it's not just the usual payments only institutional focus it's getting as we were talking about bringing in a bit more of the real world rather yeah. than just you know the real world yeah there's something about where the rubber hits the road or where, where the customer hits the product right there's something about that that's kind of nice uh, I mean, I guess um, you've had an example recently. You were one of the banks, I believe, involved in digital trade chain. Can you tell that's us right. what that is? Yeah, so that's a great example of something that's really focused on customers. And rather than just automating a bit of today's back-end rail, actually trying to open up the market, which solves the problem for the client. Yes, at the same time, there's a level of automation, level of data, level of identity, as there is with all of these. But they're, they're the enablers to solving the client problem, not things that we're looking to use and, and make things cheaper and faster. And you're going after a new market segment that banks di- didn't really serve before, like small business owner that wants to import goods from the other side of the world to, from another small business. 
it's kind of difficult, right? I mean, if you're in that position, where do you go and, and how do you do that? And uh, it's interesting that you've got a bunch of banks together to, to kind of collaborate on that. How, how's that process been and, uh, and what drove you to pick that as a use case? As usual, it starts with somebody doing their own internal experiments and thought processes and, and opening that up to a community, given it's you know, looking to be DLT-based. There's only so much fun as we know you can have on your own. And so it, it allows us to think about that, serving it not as creating a niche for one bank, but ultimately to solve the customer's needs. They're going to need multi-banking uh, solutions. But at the, at, the, at the root of it is, yeah, it's definitely difficult, Simon. And the, and the reason for that is a lot to do with data mm-hmm. and getting that data from those individuals and trusting that data and getting the history of that data, part identity, part process. Uh, but getting that onto something that allows financial institutions with the models that they have around risk and appetite to actually be able to service what is already an existing market, just underserved. And when we talk about disruptive innovation, we often start talking about it coming from underserved markets coming from the edges so do you see that as being an opportunity for growth and an opportunity to do something genuinely new and what do you think the unmet customer needs in that segment are like who is that customer so those smes that their their unmet needs are really at least depending on which report you read somewhere between 50 and 70 percent underserviced when it comes to financing and that is and that is based on data identity the type of businesses the scale of businesses the credit type risk appetites of normal lending institutions so you've, you've got a very clear problem it's been there for a while it's it's the engine room of global trade uh, as as we know and so you have an opportunity here to solve that problem or parts of that problem um, with a toolkit that allows them to be more successful in their own businesses but also allows us to serve them in a more effective manner so it's really it's really a win-win rather than a race to the bottom in a particular smaller market that you just automate and and reduce margins on and so you've talked about it as being kind of being customer-led are you thinking in phases here are you thinking you know there's got to be a few customers then more or is this like available to anybody yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely phases like other consortiums we're involved with, like the utility settlement coin piece. It's phases of making sure you're looking to achieve something in the phase, getting the right players around the table for that phase, rather than having everybody for the sake of having everybody. It's not a form of exclusion, it's just a form of what's the right active number and what are the right active types of stakeholders. You know, you to need, be able to achieve something. To right? actually get something done in a period of time that isn't many, many years. And so show some progress. Um, it's that Goldilocks amount of people to collaborate to get something done. Yeah, Not too and, big, not too small. And as you and I always say, practically minded, not always like-minded, but definitely practically minded at this point in time, people who aren't going to get fascinated by just the technology, but are prepared to put their backs into the legal and accounting and the structuring, right? the integration, the, the rather boring stuff without which, unfortunately... The rubber won't hit the road. Well, in it's ninety percent of the iceberg. Ten percent of it is the technology, and ninety percent of it is, is surely, surely that kind of stuff. And as you've been problem solving in this and utility settlement coin and your other innovation areas, what have you seen have been the the major trends that you've taken from the experience of having done that this down for a few years? So that the two things I took away most was as much as you need to move on to the practical pieces there is still a place for people to experiment at the simple end of the spectrum which feels very much like just getting to know the technology there's always a bit of criticism of the same old poc type thing but to get a big community to get a big network going and working there's definitely still a place for that but there does need to be a big shift towards that bottom of the iceberg as you well described it which is the rather unsexy stuff that we need to there needs to be as much collective effort on that Mm -hmm. as there has been on 
forming the foundations and the standards and the and the use cases and testing pieces out almost almost more effort put into that because what we really want to see is this come to life mm-hmm. come into the real world and we're gonna we're gonna need to switch more and more to that and that's 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 i think is quite a big shift away from enjoying the direction of travel on the technology which i think we all do and we're all interested in and there's definitely works to still be done but we need to accelerate those other streams pretty quickly Otherwise, we're gonna, we may get to a quite mature point from a technology perspective and not have the rest of the wrapper, which would yeah. be a huge shame. So when you look at uh, DLT, blockchain, AI, machine learning, all, all the startups in this space, uh, all the consortia in this space, what, what advice do you give or what message would you send out to that community to be able to help this get away from just being endless proof of concepts and for it to become something that's really real? And pilots are a good start of that when real customers are involved, but where do we go from here? Yeah, so you mentioned the key word there, customers. So the, the, view for, the view for me is the real rubber hits the road on the innovation front when B2B and there's lots of the B2C pieces that we see out there and even the C2C world is really joining together. The fusion of that is where things are changing in big corporates' business models. And by default, as far as I see it, that's when the financial service needs of those really big corporates' changes. And that's what this innovation probably has the best place in serving uh, rather than what we shouldn't get stuck on is today's product under today's reg or even tomorrow's reg for today's client need important still on the client need but if that's what we're solving for then we're probably missing out on quite a bit of the potential here so new business models in other industry verticals is is where i think the innovation collision really is going to start happening. and do you think that incumbents can embrace new business models do you think that's entirely possible because one of the things i look at is the big trend at the moment is uh, in the tech sector is moving towards that subscription model you're seeing it with spotify you're seeing it with netflix you're seeing it with amazon prime you're seeing uh, or, or the alternative is the payment disappearing with with the uber payment experience is there something in that business model change that's difficult for financial services or, or even any industry incumbent uh, because the, the classic one is is kind of kodak had a digital camera division of photo and and couldn't figure out how they sold film so they, they couldn't do it they couldn't get the chips cheap enough do, do you think you're going to see the same in financial services or do you think you really can embrace new business models it's definitely possible i think the big world is as always the challenge there is culture and leadership so you know, one of the things I observe is those banks that are really beginning to move and think about those business model changes are very much led from the top and, and are developing a culture that, that changes. Uh, we had Christian Saving, our head of retail, recently discussing the potential of banks in the future being very small or non-existent balance sheets and being based on trust and identity only. That's the balance sheet of the future. So at the very top of the houses, we've definitely got leaders that are beginning to think about what comes next from a business model perspective uh, the challenge in any large organization is is moving that tanker in in an appropriate manner with the, with the speed that is operating outside the tanker and the sailboat type act, you know analogies are you know, over everywhere but um yeah it's definitely possible but you have to be led to do it and you have to have people who really see what that business model is Fantastic. I think seeing the business model and uh, delivering a business model are two different beasts, but absolutely. Uh, Ed, where can people find out more about what you're up to at Doja? Normal place. On db.com, there's a whole bunch of pieces on what we do in digital across our retail, asset management, and transaction banking businesses. Thank you very much for joining us on FinTech Insider. 
Okay, that wraps us up for another episode of Fintech Insider Interviews. Thank you very much to Jason and Rita, and great to catch up with Ed from Deutscher as well. I hope everybody enjoyed those interviews. Don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to Fintech Insider. We've also just launched Blockchain Insider, so be sure to check that out. Leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, and until next time, have a good week.